0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you guys all for joining us here in my home in McKinney, Texas. God bless you all for joining me here in my home. And God bless every one of you coming from SoundCloud and GospelsavingChurch.com and all over the world, wherever you're coming from. God bless you. And thank you for joining us here at Gospel Saving Church. It's, it's good to be celebrating the Lord again on this beautiful day, beautiful day in September. Anyway, if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer and let's ask the Lord to help us understand the message today and help us to receive it and not only receive it, but to act on it. Because, of course, all of God's word is not just a a learning. It's God's word. God wants us to learn his word, but then God wants us to be active with his word. Nothing in the word of God is just meant for us to learn as something good that we should know. It's something that we should learn and do something with. So let's pray. And uh, let's ask the Lord to help us be proactive and active in His Word instead of just learning His Word for, for no reason. Lord, thank You so much for giving us this message today. Thank You so much for bringing us here, God in heaven. We know that every day is a gift, Lord, from You. We know, I know, Lord, I hope everybody does that's listening to me, Lord, that every breath is a gift, Lord. For, for We don't even think about breathing. We can't when we go to sleep. We just breathe. It's a gift, Lord. Our hearts beat. They're a gift. The breath, the very air that's made today, Lord, is a gift from you, Lord, as, wow, we don't make the air either. The air is just made naturally. You make the air every day for us. is every day our, our daily provision. So, Lord, we thank you for this new day. No matter whatever we've got going on in our lives, Lord, no matter how hard or easy our lives are, we just thank you for this day. Thank you that we have another opportunity to either come to know you or come to know you more. Lord, and I pray that everybody listening to me out there and that everybody in the world, Lord, you'd be moving on their hearts to either A, come to know you, or B, come to grow to a stronger knowledge of you. So Lord, I bless you and I praise you and I thank you for all these things and how good you are and your love. And we ask you to bless the service to our hearts, Lord, and help us again, as I spoke of before I prayed, help us all to be active with your word, Lord, not just hear it just as knowledge, but let us hear it to be active with it, Lord. And make that make it that way for us, Lord. Put it in our hearts that way. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. So we are going to be today in the epistle of John again, first John chapter four, verses one through three. We're starting a new chapter this week. And I'll get to them after I read my thoughts from last week's message the fickle heart. Last week we talked about a couple of different ideas that John brought up from that section. But I mainly spent my time talking to you about the fickle heart of a Christian. The heart that one moment can feel spiritually fantastic. Great. On top of the world. God loves me so much. Wow. Praise the Lord. Everything's so wonderful. Hallelujah. Thanks be to Jesus. But then the next moment... Because of some stupid thing we said, or some dumb sin we did, or maybe we lusted after a girl real quick, or whatever, we may feel like, oh man, how can God love me? How can I really be saved? And we can completely feel condemned. What a crazy conundrum, right? A conundrum is a confusing and difficult problem. And the issue of the fickle heart of a Christian is really a difficult problem. And and I told you that one of the reasons last week we talked about this, that this conundrum happens to Christians is because of Satan and the fallen angels. You see, they try to make us feel unforgiven. They try to make us feel, make us feel uh, like we're condemned every time we sin or every time we fall short, every time we blow it. And, and what a shame that it is that he has to be such an evil being in, in to do that. And he hates us so very, very much. But there's a deeper reason, though. Why would the devil and the fallen angels want a Christian or Christians to feel unforgiven and condemned after we've sinned? Well, one of the reasons is because they're really trying to destroy our confidence. That's their goal. Uh, they want to destroy you know your strength in the lord how how strongly you believe how how strongly you feel like i can go to the lord at any minute your confidence in coming to god through christ you see confidence is a hu- is huge to people it's huge to all peoples and all walks of life all over the world confidence is even stronger it's even huge to christians in their spiritual walks with god and christ if an athlete loses their confidence, they will not perform well until they get their confidence back, if they get their confidence back at all. If an actor loses his confidence because of something they did or a bad acting performance, they will have trouble acting until they get their confidence back, if they get their confidence back. For me, I used to be an athlete. I was a very, actually, I was a pretty big athlete in my area that I was in, in Chicago. I played for a really big school, and they focused on me. I was a huge man, and I'm a huge man still, and I was an amazing athlete, and I was, whatever I do, I just do it all the way, and so I was a really strong athlete. Well, the third game of my senior year, my shoulder got dislocated, and it was dislocated to the degree right before it would have just fallen around, pulled right out of my body. It's third degree. It's the worst it can be. And so it was never the same. It was never the same, never the same. I tried to go back. It just got hurt again. I ended up having to go have surgery, but then long story short, that put me out of football, I thought, until the college wanted me back. I tried to go play again after some shoulder surgery to get it all back in line, but because it had happened and because it hurt and because I remembered it all, I had lost my confidence in my shoulder, in myself, in my playing ability. And because I lost my confidence, I was a terrible player. And since I lost my confidence and I was a terrible player, I ended up quitting. And you see, that's what losing confidence can do to us. Losing confidence can make us quit. And as I said, confidence is huge for a Christian in their spiritual walks with God and Christ. And Satan knows it, and that is why he works so hard to get us to lose it. You see, biblically, confidence transfers into faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Number one, Hebrews 11, 6. And really, without faith, it's impossible to walk with God. Because John 4, 24, God is spirit and seeks those who worship him in spirit and truth. And if the devil can trick a spiritual child of god here's the danger into thinking that god won't forgive them or has condemned them for some sin they've committed or for whatever reason a lack of faith that they may have had then they could lose their confidence in their faith and stop walking with god in christ and end up not going to heaven when they die i knew a man that i used to do ministry with and he came up to a point where he was a cancer recoverer. he was in remission he had beaten cancer and then um, they were doing an exam on him, and he was a really strong Christian, and they were doing an exam on him one time, and they found that, oh, maybe it's come back. Well, he lost faith. He he got so scared, the reason he lost faith, he got so scared that he was going to get cancer again, he lost total trust in God, and then as I tried to talk to him, come on, man, you know, Get your faith back. God's not going to, even if you die, You know, no matter what, you're in God's hands. Well, he got so angry at himself that he lost his faith that he had such a worry about his cancer coming back that he wouldn't, he stopped walking with God. He walked away from the Lord, walked away from serving the Lord with me. And you, so, so you see, it's a real, real danger to lose your confidence in Christ because of some, maybe just some stupid thing you do. Look at what Paul writes about the importance of confidence in our salvation. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36, he says 35. He says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. What's the promise? Eternal life. We must keep our confidence. And for whatever reason, if you don't think that this, he was talking about losing your salvation and walking away from Christ, like this fellow that I knew back in the past, like me quitting on football, look at what Paul finishes with in 37 and 38. For yet a little while, and he was coming, will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now you can't draw back from God unless you're with God to begin with, right? I can't veer off or go another way if I'm not going one way to begin with. And here Paul's talking about you're walking with God. You're confident in God. Oh, but you, not, you lost your faith. You lost your confidence. And you know what? Because of that, you drew back away from God. And then Paul says here in, in Hebrews that my soul, speaking of God, has no pleasure in Him. So Christians, if you're abiding in Christ daily, walking according to his spirit and not in the lust of your flesh, as I mentioned last week, and in willful practice of your life, because that's that's not a saved life anyway. It's imperative if you're if you're standing strong in Christ, that you continue to stand strong in your faith in Christ and not lose your confidence or your faith. For it has great reward, as Paul just said, in receiving the promise of salvation. And if you're standing strong in Christ and you hear these things, oh, you're condemned. Oh, you're lost. Oh, you're worth. Oh, look at what you did. Tell that fickle heart to shut its mouth right along with that devil because they're not telling you the godly truths. And tell them to shut up in Jesus Christ's name. I've done that very thing. Shut your mouth, heart. Shut your mouth, Satan. In Jesus Christ's name, shut your mouth. And you tell them, you proclaim Hey, I am the Lord's and the Lord is mine. And you stand strong in your confidence in Christ and you don't get shaken. Period. The end. Don't let yourself get shaken. The eternal effects could be very, very, very dangerous. All right. Well, praise God. Let's get on to our new title of our sermon and our new message for today. First John chapter four, we're just going to be in the first three verses, one through three. The title of our message today, what would Jesus do? You know, i know that saying, right? People have bracelets and people say that, what would Jesus do, right? It's a very common saying in our American world that we live in right now. It's been bigger in the past, but it's still, you say, well, what would Jesus do? People kind of know what you're saying. So the title again, what would Jesus do? So today, let's read verses 1 through 3 in John chapter 4, and then I'll get to teaching it. John says this, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Just a few short verses, but a lot of info to cover for today. So today we open up with a new study, a new, a new chapter, chapter 4. Paul starts out with a new topic, but this topic bridges off of the previous one, the very last idea that he gave in chapter 3. Verse 1 again, beloved, he says, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And remember, he closed chapter 3 with these words, this very last sentence in chapter 3. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. So, by the Spirit, or God's Holy Spirit, that he gives to those whom he saves, they have confidence that they are his. When a person becomes truly saved, they become born again. And this born again happens by God putting his Holy Spirit in them and making them born of his spirit as they were previously just born of the flesh. Okay? And after someone is born again, they become God's new spiritual child. And with this privilege comes a new special communication. A spiritual communication between God and the saved person where God starts speaking with them in the same way, in an intimate way, as a child and a father. A father would speak to his child in the human idea. And we can all understand that, how we speak to our child. Hey, come here, son, Bobby, you know, Johnny, come on over here, Susie, you know, let me talk to you. And then in that same way, God speaks to his new spiritual children like were his children as a father does in the human idea. Now, as cool as this is, because I think it's pretty cool, unfortunately, just like I told you last week, and in this week's overview, there are also other beings that are also communicating spiritually with Christians. And who would those be? Just like I told you last week and this week, well, of course, that's the devil and the fallen angels. And it's because of this very idea that John tells Christians here to test the spiritual voices they hear, or you cannot say to be careful, he's saying to, to us and to Christians then, to be careful which spiritual voice that we listen to if you're a Christian. Because, again, every spiritual thing you hear is not coming from God, and it's not coming from Christ, and it's not coming from God's Holy Spirit, unfortunately. Unfortunately, Christians will hear both God, Christ, and the fallen angels, and Satan. So, as I said, they need to be careful which voice that they obey. We're all going to hear lots of spiritual things, but we need to be careful which spiritual thing that we hear that we obey. We certainly, if we're a follower of Christ, we don't want to obey the things of the devil. We don't want to obey the things of, the, of, of Satan and, and the fallen angels. We want to obey God's voice. So now that I've laid that foundation for verse 1, I'm going to teach this message a little different than I normally do. Well, you may be saying, well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, it's going to be different. Oh, I don't like different. That's all right. It's different in a good way. You see, because the full contextual topic John chooses to write about here in these first three verses is, it was a really huge issue in his day, but it's not a really huge issue in our world today. So I'm going to just teach you kind of quickly the full contextual meaning with some info, and then I'm going to go on to the other idea that I have, the other thing that God's laid on my heart. I'm going to go back, teach you something from this section that is truly biblical, but not contextually true. But this truth is something that God has laid on my heart this week to share with you today, and it's something that God showed me throughout the week, for myself even, and it's really powerful. So stick with me. It's uh, We're going to learn a lot today. I learned a lot this week. God showed me a lot this week. I'm going to keep it with me forever, and I hope and pray the same for you today, that what I speak to, to you today and what God says to us in more of the, the biblical truth of this section is going to help you for the rest of your Christian life until you get to heaven. So... Let me start off here and explain what I mean. And I'm going to teach you just the contextual idea of these verses. I'm going to give you what it means historically with a little of today. So verse 1, again, John just told us that Christians need to test the spiritual voices. Again, because not all spiritual things you're going to hear will be from God. And that means that Christians need to be careful which voice they obey to make sure they're obeying God's voice and not Satan's. John closes that verse 1 by telling us because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So that's why they needed to test the spirits. That's why we need to test the spirits because there's many people then and even today that had listened to and obeyed the voices of the devil and fallen angels instead of God's spirits because that's how you become a false prophet is you don't listen to God's spirit. You listen to the evil one's spirits and you listen to the fallen angels' spirits. And again, sad but true, many still today have done this. He goes on to write verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. So now he's telling us how to hear the Spirit of God in this contextual meaning here. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Well, of course it is. The devil's not going to admit that. The devil hates that. The devil hates the idea that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, right? He hates the fact that he got defeated at the cross. So, of course, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in in, in the flesh is of God. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. But why is John telling us this? I mean, that's so easy, right? Well, I'll get to that, but look at verse 3. And every spirit spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. And to that I say the same kind of thing. Well, of course it is. Every spirit that you hear, hey, Jesus Christ didn't come into the flesh. Oh, you, that's, that's not God. God's not going to lie to me. Of course I know that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. I mean, you know, Simon Greenleaf and look at the way that the disciples acted after they saw the resurrected Jesus Christ and there's proof. We have an AD. AD is everything after Christ, you know, after his death. I mean, it's, you'd have you just it's stupidity to not believe that a man named Jesus Christ came and walked the face of the planet. I mean, our whole like, world even acknowledges this idea. Even though we have atheists out there that disagree, it's pretty self-explanatory. Any spirit that does not confess Jesus Christ come to flesh, not of God, because it's spirit Antichrist. So every voice that confesses Christ is come in the flesh from God. And everyone that doesn't confess that is from the devil. But why is John telling us this stuff? When it's so easy. I mean this is elementary, right? Seems like a no-brainer, right? Well, John's telling us this, he's explaining us to us a huge problem in his time, but it's not a really a huge problem in our time today. The problem in John's day and on through the next couple centuries was a big problem were the Gnostics. You see, the Gnostics of John's day held, and I'll explain these people, they were people that believed in a special spiritual knowledge. Right Gnostics of John's day held the belief of shunning the material world, which they viewed as created by the evil God Demeruge. I don't know how to really say it, but it was an evil God that created all material things, so every, cars and houses and the you know everything material that you could think of in the world. And they also taught that embracing the spiritual one, and, and that this was done through the special attained spiritual knowledge. How does this play into what John wrote here? Well, the salvation of this religion came by the deliverance from material things through the special spiritual knowledge, not Jesus, the Christ, coming and dying for our sins and releasing us from the bondage of sin, but rather their salvation, again, came through special spiritual knowledge and a deliverance from material things. So giving up everything in the world you could have and just gaining the spiritual knowledge, that's how you could be saved. And why John wrote what he did here is because these Gnostics believed that Jesus was one of their enlightened teachers and that he never came in the flesh to die for the sins of mankind to save humanity. That's why Jesus came, right? Jesus said, I am the Lamb of the world. I, I, I have come to take away the sins of the world. I am the Lamb of God. And this is the biblical teaching. But they say he was just a spiritual being that came to teach his his special spiritual knowledge to help people be saved by the deliverance of those evil material worldly things. Now, is a life consumed with worldly things good? No. But are we saved if we go and live in the wilderness and, and, and live off the land and have nothing and go naked? No, that doesn't save anybody. That's just idiocy. You can do that if you want to, but it's not going to save your soul. It's just going to, you're going to not have anything in this world, but your skin, that's on your bones, right? Well, unfortunately, sadly in John's day, and even after many people fell into this false religion and became Gnostics or the gatherers of knowledge. And even sadder than this is since people believe Jesus as the great spiritual teacher, many, what we call today, Gnostic gospels were written. And you may have heard of them. You probably have heard of them. They kind of came into the news in the last, like, decade. Gospel of Mary and Judas and Thomas, etc. And these Gospels, people were doubting, well, why aren't they in the Bible? Why didn't these Gospels make into the Bible? And Mary, she, she was Jesus' mother. Well, because they were written between the 2nd and 4th centuries. The Gnostic Gospels were a collection, our collection, of about 54 ancient texts written between the 2nd and 4th century A.D. And, of course, they had several spiritual teachers that they listened to. And of course, this Jesus that they proclaimed was a different Jesus than the Bible taught, than the actual people that walked with Jesus. Hence, I'm almost guessing too, that this is why God led John to write, remember 1 John 1, that which we have seen with our eyes That which we have touched with our hands, we have handled the word of life. We've eaten with him, we beheld him. Remember how John gives that account. Well, of course, the Gnostics believe when Jesus came, he was just a spiritual being. When he walked in fact, he never left footprints in the sand. He was just a spiritual being. And yet John in the Gospels and all the Gospels in the Bible talk about a real Jesus. When Thomas was doubting, Jesus showed up and he said, "Thomas, Peter, put your hand in my side." And this was the resurrected Jesus. And he said, "Thomas, put your hand in my side." Well, a ghost or a spirit couldn't do that. They wouldn't have anything you could touch, right? They'd be an apparition. And of course, he said, "Put your put your hands in my or put your fingers in my hands and see the wounds." And see, how spirit can't do this. So it was a terrible, terrible, terrible. Even today, uh, evil religion and teaching that sadly led many people astray and is still dragging people to hell today because the false religion still exists. But as I said, it's not very significant. Today, believe it or not, the Gnostics still exist, but have a very, 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 very small voice. For instance, I didn't even know, and I kind of studied religions over the last you know, umpteen years. I've studied religions and religious beliefs and things like that in comparison to Christianity, and I didn't even know that there were still followers of this Gnosticism until just a few days ago when I was writing this message. So anyway, Nuss said, all I care to say about that, that kind of topic, because really, that's not a huge idea in our world anymore. We don't have the masses running around, Jesus never came in the, never, Jesus never came in the flesh, oh, and it's turning masses away, okay? That's all I'm going to say. But for our today's teaching on this section of Scripture, I have a different but powerful message from the Lord for us. But it's only based upon the principle found in the first part of verse 1. So from this point on, I'm going to be sharing some examples and some scenarios with you on what John taught us here in the first part of verse 1. So look at it again. Change gears in your mind. Beloved, do not believe every spirit... But test the spirits whether they are of God. And again, from this, we find the biblical truth that Christians are supposed to test the spiritual voices that they hear to make sure that what they're obeying, or they're only obeying the ones that really come from God and not the devil. Because again, I'm kind of drilling this into your head. I'm sorry that I'm repeating myself, but it's important. Not all spiritual voices or things that you hear are going to be from God. And saying what I just did, I want to clarify, I'm not talking about the evil practice of someone testing God or putting God to the test. Examples of how not to test God or test God's word or whatnot, God, if you're really real, then you'd show up in here right before me and then I'll believe in you. God's probably not going to answer that that challenge. God, if you're really there, make this thing happen. Oh, I just, so I can, yeah, right, yeah. Come on, I'll believe in you if you do that. Probably not going to happen. God, if you're really real, I'm going to jump off this 10-story building and you're going to catch me so I don't go splat. That's probably not going to happen. God's, you're probably going to plummet to your death if you really do do that, and then you're going to go to hell because you didn't believe in God, and you went splat, and you died. These are all non-biblical ways of testing God, and if you're doing them, as I said, God's probably not going to answer you because you're wrongly testing Him. God in the Bible says of Himself, He's holy all-powerful and not to be played with. He should be revered and feared and sought after carefully and in a holy, kind, loving way. So it's not okay to tempt or test God, but yet John says here that Christians are supposed to test the spirits. And this would be the spirits of God, of course, and the spirits of the devil to see uh, to hear, you know, to see if they're make sure they're really hearing from God or they're hearing from Satan and the fallen angels. What is the difference? Well, remember, even Jesus tested the spirits in Matthew chapter four. Remember, the devil comes and Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness or he's in the wilderness for 40 days. And the devil comes and he starts tempting him. He starts testing him. He starts trying to trick him. Remember, and in Matthew four, the devil tries to come to Jesus and he takes him up on the pinnacle of the temple. And he tells him that God, if he jumps, God will just have his angels catch him. Because, you know, that's what God's word says. He'll protect you and you won't, you won't dash your foot against the stone. And, he, and Jesus answered and said, It is written, You shall not tempt or test the Lord your God. Right there, Jesus tested what he heard against the word of God and found that the voice he heard was not from God. Now, Although Satan was standing right there with Jesus, we have the same thing happen to us today. The devil doesn't mostly, or the, all angels don't mostly come and show up to us and take us on the pinnacle of the temple, right? And, oh, if you just do this, no, they don't do that, but they do do things and they play with our minds. The way Satan tried to get Jesus Christ to test God was ungodly and put an ultimatum or challenge or a or you know a I'll do this God or you know and then I'll believe kind of thing. The good godly way that Jesus Christ tested the spirits was to take what he heard and he held it up against God's written word. So how does a Christian test God or the spirits in a way that's approved by God? Well, we do it the same way. We take what we hear spiritually and we hold it up against what God's written word says. And of course, we can't do that unless we're reading, learning, and studying God's word on an often regular basis so we can even do this. This is saying, I actually just came up with it for this sermon, but I've said it somewhat like this before. You can't know what God sounds like instead until you start listening to God and then until you continue to listen to God. And what's the number way, number one way that you listen and hear God? Well, that's by the reading, learning, and studying of his word because Satan and the fallen angels, as we saw with Jesus, as I'm sure you've experienced in your Christian life up until now, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, Satan and the fallen angels will come to all Christians at very opportune times, usually decisions. Times, right? To try to cause us to make the wrong choices as Satan tried to do with Jesus. And the spiritual voices you hear will be from God, Christ, and unfortunately they're going to be from the devil and the fallen angels too. And that's why God's laid this sermon on my heart this week and why the sermon is titled, What Would Jesus Do? Because I'm going to teach you some ways to test the spirit you hear. To make sure you're obeying God's voice and not Satan's. And I'm going to teach you how to do it in the godly, biblically approved godly way. So, look at these examples or scenarios that you could face. Maybe you have faced. I've actually faced one of them myself. And how to test those spirits you hear during those episodes that you face. First scenario. You're faced with a money situation one day. Where you come across someone and you see someone, you know, a little bit away from you. You could see them in their sight and they drop some money. But they don't realize it. And you could still do something about it. Right? You still see it. Nobody saw them drop it. You see it. Wow, they dropped money. So as you start to act on this cash or start to think about this cash that you saw fall from this man's pocket or this woman's pocket... You might spiritually hear something like this: "Oh, they didn't even know they dropped it. <laughs> Look, they're even walking away. Hey, just go pick it up quietly. Just do it secretly, nonchalant, like no, yeah, just walk up there. Oh, just there. Hey, and you know what? Keep it for yourself. You could use it. Oh, I don't know how much it may be. <laughs> you could use lunch or meow, you know anything, a little gas." Nobody will ever know. Or, you know what? They probably won't even miss it. You know, they got money, they're being careless with it. They just dropped it out of their pocket. Well, question. If you heard this in your mind, which spiritual side of the fence do you think this voice is coming from? Would you say this one was from God, or would you think this one's from the devil? Well, but along with that now, you just heard that, but as you're kind of going, you should also hear spiritually if you're a Christian Hey, you should call out to them. Hey, tell them you dropped it. Or, or, or get it for them, take it to them, you know, run to them and get it, give it back to them. It sure would be, you, you sure would like that if somebody did that for you, if you dropped money out of your pocket. Well, whose spiritual voice do you think this might be? As a Christian, you need to test those spiritual things you just heard. Or I will say thought. Because that's how God or the devil will most likely speak with you through your thoughts. So as a Christian, you hear both these ideas in your head. You're looking at this money dropped. How would you test the spiritual voices you hear and to make sure that you're listening to the one that's of God? Well, you have to stop and think for a moment and you have to think. One voice was kind of shady. It was shifty eyed, you know, selfish, right? Greedy. Oh, me, get it, get it. The other way was loving and considerate and consider the other person who dropped it over yourself. And if you're a Christian and you want to live a pleasing life to Christ by your actions, because that's what a true Christian should be trying to do, then you need to discern between what you heard mentally or in the spirit and try to do your best to do what Jesus would do, right? Right? So which voice was from God or Christ? The test. Well, think. What would Jesus do in that situation? Well, of course, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't know, he'd call out to the person or tell them that they dropped the money or or run and get the money and give it to them, give it back to them and, and put the other one, the one that dropped the money, above themselves. Why would this be the godly spirit? Why might this be the one that's from God? Well, because God's written word, going back to that written word, teaches Christians and people to love others with action love. We just studied it a couple of weeks ago where we talked about the put your money where your mouth is, love, right? And consider others above themselves. And that's what Jesus would have done. He would have followed, as he did with Satan, God's written word. But if you're not in your Bibles, Christians... You might not know that Christ taught that, and you wouldn't know what he would have done. So there, a Christian, put in that scenario, you're going to hear those voices, would have chosen the godly thing to do, should have chosen the godly thing to do, and gone back and given that guy or gal that money back, because that's what Jesus would have done. Next scenario. You work for a car dealership, or you're driving your car one day, and as you're moving cars around on the car dealership, you, bang, you hit one car to another. Oh, as you're backing out of that parking space at the grocery store, bang, you back into that car that's behind you. Oh man, what did I do? Oh no! Oh, you realize you've done the wrong, but what do you do? And more importantly, what would Jesus do in this situation? Well, at this opportune time, and it's going to come, and we're going to be in these situations, unfortunately, but unfortunately, two voices are going to come out to us. One will say, one, you're going to have spring up in your mind, go to your boss, tell him you found the car this way, or you know what, better yet, do nothing, and when they realize it, you know, even if they ask you, you can just say, oh, really, I didn't even know that car had damage. Or, oh, I'm sorry, I had no idea. Or you just left the scene, or, or you're, you hit that car in that parking lot, and what's going through your mind? Oh, you know what? You look around, nobody sees you. Oh, man, nobody will know. They didn't see me. Nobody saw me. I could just leave the scene of the accident. I could just tell no one what happened. Who do you think that voice would be from. If you're testing the spirits as a good Christian should do, and you get into this type of situation, which voice, which side of the spiritual fence do you think that voice came from? But before you answer, maybe you already know, on the flip side, you should also hear this. You get into the accident, you bump that car, you back out, go tell your boss. Tell them what happened, and you know what? Take the blame and the responsibility for what you did. And you know what? Be honest, John, Ed, Joe, or or you know what? That's at your job, or if you hit that car in the parking lot, hey, you know what? Accidents happen. Get out. Write that note. Leave your contact information, and you know what? Do the right thing and work it out. Now, whose voice do you think that would be? Right. Because one voice is going to be from God and the one voice is going to be from the devil. So which one's from God and which one is from the devil? And how do you test what you heard? The test? What would Jesus do? Right. Testing the spiritual voices you heard up against God's written word, because that's what Jesus would do, like he did with Satan. Go to God's written word. You need to know that the that obviously the voice that said, be honest Don't lie and take responsibility for what you did is from God and what Jesus would do. Why? Because God's written word teaches that Satan is the liar. Satan is the one that's dishonest. Satan is the one that's, get them, you don't want to do that. God wants his children to walk in the light as he is in the light, as John writes in 1 John 1.1, and this light is truth, love, holiness, godliness, etc. Jesus would do what God said in his word again, You're not going to know that if you're not in God's word and you're not listening to God or you're not hearing what God sounds like. Oh, but but I've heard the Bible before. No, you need a refresher. Jesus was the word and Satan still tried to come at him and he still tried to test him. And Jesus was the word, ladies and gentlemen, and Satan still tried to test him with the word. But Christians, Christians. We need to stay in God's word so we can test the spirits. It's not optional. We are in a spiritual war right now. And you have to know that Satan is gunning for you every single day of your spiritual life with God. He's gunning for you to make the ungodly decision and not do what Jesus would do in whatever situation you may have come up. Look at this other one you get into an argument with your spouse or guy or gal that you're dating in a godly relationship. As we've all, unfortunately, as a husband myself, as a, father, as a you know, dad myself, gotten into an argument with my spouse. He, she said something that really offended you and hurt your feelings or better, better yet, your pride. So you, you get angry and you get frustrated and in a quick moment, oh, here come those voices in your head. The spiritual test is on. One voice or thought says, he or she said that hurtful thing to you and they were trying to hurt your feelings. They were trying to hurt your feelings. Oh, they know what they were doing. They did that on purpose. And they insulted you because, you know what? They don't respect you. And you know, they, they, yeah, they may love you, but you know what? They look down on you. They think you're, they don't respect you. You know what? Put them in their place. Get back at them. Ooh, get that revenge. And you know what you need to do? Say something that you know will hurt their feelings back. And get angry with them and show them your displeasure. Now, whose spiritual voice do you think that that's from? I mean, I'm not going to say anything right now. I think we all know, but that's pretty... uh, let, Let me move on. But then you hear another spiritual voice, and this one says this. Man, they must be really having a bad day today because that's not like them to be that way. You know that they love you, so you know what? Why don't you go to them and talk to them and 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 try to work it out and clear the air and say, you know, you said something that hurt my feelings, and you know, and, and in a simple and loving way, tell them what they said to hurt your feelings, and, and you know, work it out. In fact, go with them and you know, hey, can I? Can we pray together? You know, can we can we pray? Because I'd like to talk to you, kind of thing. And well, whose voice, whose spiritual voice, do you think that one? came from, right? Satan or the or or God, right? Again, holding what you heard up against the written word of God as a strong Christian should, you should test these spiritual voices and consider that God is patient. God is loving. God is kind. And you know what most of all, the Bible calls God a God of reconciliation. And of course he uses that for the lost but the reconciliation part of God, his character, doesn't change across the board. God doesn't like it when we're at enmity with one another. God doesn't like it when we're holding grudges against one another. God is a God of reconciliation. So the spiritual voice has said, talk it out. You know what? Love them and forgive them. Clear the air. Pray with them would be God's spirit and the one that you should obey because that's what Jesus would do, right? Last one for today. So you're a Christian and you're out on a date with your boyfriend, girlfriend one evening. You know, it's an evening. That's when usually people go on dates and you've gone to dinner and a movie and it's later. And then you decide to go to the lake and you decide to sit and just talk for a while in your car. One thing leads to another, and you start to get closer and closer and closer, right? And it's dark, and there's really nobody at the lake because it's late and it's dark. And then the voices start in your head, if they hadn't already started hours before. One voice says... Kiss them, kiss them, kiss them, you fool. They're all yours. They're all alone right there with you. There's nobody around. And oh, boy, boy, they're really hot. And you know what? They probably dress that way just for you, just to be attractive, just for you. So you might start obeying and you might start kissing that person. And it's mutual and the voices start again. And they're saying, go, go on, keep going. Go do the... Go to, go to the next level it's on do it do it do it do it it's all just you and her well whose voice do you think that that one's coming from right whose voice I don't think I have to I don't think I have to tell you I think you already know but you also have another voice in your head and this other spiritual voice is telling you this As you're sitting in the car and you're talking having a desire you know because you've already had that voice hey kiss her kiss her kiss her Start the car, man. Go get some ice cream. You know what? Get around some people with lots of people around because you know what? They look really good to you right now and you really shouldn't be alone together in the dark. Go now, go now, go now, right now, go now. Who do you think that voice would be from? How do you test again? What would Jesus do? This one should be a no-brainer for a real Christian because obviously the voice that screamed out purity, purity, and accountability would be the one that came from God, right? Because God's written word says that he designed sex and intercourse and and sensuality with women and men together for marriage only. No No exceptions, period, the end, right? And so the voice you would need to force yourself to listen to and obey would be the purity and the holy one, right? That would be the one that would be from God, but you'd have to test the spirits as you're in the moment and say, what would Jesus do? So there are obviously endless scenarios that I could talk about today, and I won't bother keep going on because I think that you get the picture. I hope you get the picture that is, and that you now have a grasp on how to successfully test the spirit or the spiritual voices you hear in a godly and biblical way. Christians, there's no substitute for keeping yourself in God's word daily so that you can know what he sounds like. There is no substitute for that. Ladies and gentlemen, zero. But a simple and good rule of thumb for any scenario or example or situation that you will find yourselves in. And notice I said will. You will find yourselves in scenarios and situations every single day of your life. Whether they're at home, whether they're in your car, whether they're at your job, you're going to face them daily. And even if you're not versed in God's word, there's a good rule of thumb to follow when you're hearing these spiritual voices and you get into these situations. Number one. The spiritual voices from the devil, or fallen angels, will suggest always selfishness, lying, being secretive, prideful, rude, being hurtful, doing something lawless, and even being hateful. Now, not obviously are you going to have all of these voices saying all of these things at the same test or scenario or ex- situation you may be in, but even if one of them are suggested... This is a dead giveaway that the spiritual voice is trying to lead you. is not from God, that it's from the evil one. And this is a voice that you should not obey, right? That's, that's for the devil side. And number two, the spiritual voices that will that you will hear from God or his spirits or his true angels of his light will be from God selflessness. Hey, put the other one better than yourself. Loving. Be kind. Be honest. Serve others. Don't be serving yourself all the time. Serve others. Be sacrificial. Be holy. Do what God would do. Obedient. Be lawful. Do what the law says. Hey, the law's there for a good reason. Do what the law says, Ed, John, whatever, Bill, Bob, whoever. Be lawful. Be truthful. And be anything that falls in line with God's character as you learn God's character more, hopefully as you're getting in your word, the word of God, every day. And again, you will not necessarily hear all of those at one time for each scenario, but any hint of them and what you hear during your situation or scenario is a dead giveaway that they are from God. And these are what Jesus would do, and these are the voices that you should obey. So anyway, those are some easy examples and scenarios of some easy and helpful tips as to what God and His Spirit should sound like and what Satan and his fallen angels should sound like and how to test those spirits in a biblically approved, godly way. I hope they will help you from this point on to biblically and in a godly way test the spiritual voices that you will hear daily, during all situations that you will find yourself in, I know they have me. I went through a battle this week on my own where I was having this this situation and this scenario in my life and I was uh, listening to the wrong voices. I was listening to the voices of selfishness, the voices of pride. And this is while I'm working on this sermon, I'm dealing with this myself and I realized as I went and prayed, hey, God showed me, what are you teaching this week? I went, oh, Lord, you are so right. This is not from you. This voice, this is all pride. This is all selfishness. This is all greed. This is all me, 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 me. Wow, Lord. And then I had to say, no, I'm not going to obey those voices, those evil spiritual voices, once I knew they were from the devil. And then I had to turn and I had to say, you know what, this is the way I'm going to go. So I hope that this sermon, this message, this idea for you will help you like it helped me if you're truly earnestly wanting to walk with Christ. Now today... If you consider yourself a Christian and you're hearing this message, then you need to know that the very biblical definition of a Christian is a follower of Christ or a little Christ. And you also need to know that God expects you, if you are a real Christian, to 1 John 1, 7. Walk in the light as he is in the light. And again, this light that John references to here is godliness, truth, Holiness, love, purity, and God's character is found in His Word wherever you see God's character. And you need to know that the title of this sermon, What Would Jesus Do? and this phrase has so sadly in America, especially it's become just kind of a good catchphrase in our society, should not just be some clever thing that we say. But you should know this. What would Jesus do? is how God really expects you to live your life as a Christian. Christians, you should be striving to live this way in your Christian lives, that the things you do, you would always hold them up against. Would Jesus do this? What would Jesus do in this situation, in this scenario? And again, God expects Christians to literally live their lives in our actions and words and choices by the idea of, what would Jesus do? Living this way is not hardly ever easy to do, as it wasn't easy for me this week. And the situations you may find yourself in with the choices that you may be faced with may not always be as simple as the ones that I brought up today, but if, as a Christian, when you find yourself in a situation where you have, make, have to make a decision, you always test the spirits or the spiritual voices that you hear, and you need to make sure that you only obey the ones that line up with what would Jesus do. Again, the spiritual voices to obey are those that are selfless, loving, kind, Honest, serving others, considering others better than yourselves, being sacrificial, being holy like God was holy, being obedient, being lawful according to the law of the land, being truthful, and again, anything else that falls in lines with God's character and his word. For living your life by this very idea, what would Jesus do, is how God expects and really demands Christians to live. If you consider yourself a Christian, are you striving to live by the idea of... What would Jesus do? Are you doing that daily or are you not? Obviously, this means that sometimes you're not, you're going to make the wrong choices and you're not going to do what Jesus would do. But it's important that when you realize you made the wrong choice, you make the mental corrections and you repent from not doing it God's way. And then you strive again to live a life of the idea of what would Jesus do? Because that is what God expects from you. Remember Jesus said Luke 9, 23, If anyone desires to come after me let him deny himself let him take up his cross daily and let him follow me. That means that we start our relationship with God and Christ by surrender our lives first and foremost. We give him the right to rule in our lives and we give him the right hey you're the boss I'm going to be the servant. You're my master, you're my lord. I'm the one that listens to you. We make that decision to just lay out, God, I'm yours. I want to be yours. Then you repent and confess your sins because you got to say you're sorry to God because you sin. And then you decide to follow Jesus's words and his example of how he lived. That's the way a Christian is supposed to live their lives. You start out one way and you finish one way. If today you say, you know what, I'm not saved. And I, you know, I'd ask you, then why don't you make this choice to follow Christ today? All that I talked about today, his wonderful words, his loving, kind, compassionate words, how great and wonderful are they, right? You'll start hearing them if you surrender. He's probably been trying to lead you that way for a long time. His words are loving. He is loving. He is kind. He is a God of reconciliation. He is an awesome God. Who do you want to be associated with? If you're not saved today, then the Bible says you're being led by the evil spirit voices, the evil demonic spiritual voices that I talked to today. And you are slave to them. And then not only are you hearing these evil spiritual voices Every day and not God's or you're not following God's spiritual good voice. You're hearing them. But that means that since you're following the devil and you're not following Christ, that means you're going to go to hell, unfortunately, as well, too. But God doesn't want that for you. God wants to save you and start leading you in love and holiness and unto eternal life with him and his son, Jesus Christ. Christ gave up his life for you on the cross to prove his love for you prove that he loves you. So please consider the things that I said today and please come to Christ if you're not his and if you're his, take and test those spiritual things that you hear every day and make sure that you're living your life by that saying, by that unfortunate cliche of a saying in our world today, which should be more than that. What would Jesus do? Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord God for your word today. Thank you so much for all the things that you told us today, Lord. Thank you for all the many biblical truths that we find in your word. Now I pray, dear God, today that the Christians that are listening to me today would truly say and examine their lives and they would say, am I living my life? What would Jesus do? Jesus would always glorify God. Think. Lord, help us to think before we do anything, before we, whatever voices we may hear, Help us to be able to test them and help us to only do what Jesus would do, only bring you glory and only do the things that Jesus would do because that's how you want us to live our lives, because that's your character. Help us to do those things, Lord. Help us to stop if we're not and do what's right in your eyes. And, Lord, for those that are out there that are not yours, I pray, Lord God, that they would just, I mean, listen, Lord, your words were wonderful. You are so loving and you're so awesome and you care for us so much. And, and living this way is not a bad thing. Living these ways is a good thing. These are good, godly things to do. These are things that bring peace and, and love between you and people. So Lord, I, I pray that they would see how good you are right now and come to you and just surrender and say, you know what? I, I don't want to live this way anymore. I need Jesus. And I pray that you get him and save them. And bring them unto a beautiful spiritual relationship with them. Thank you so much, Lord God. And I ask these things and I pray them all in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.